Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 34 of the 17-18 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up on today's show... After failing to win the Premier League last week, will Manchester City get the job done this time around at Wembley when they take on Tottenham? It would also take a loss for United for that to happen, and they play... Oh, it's, it's West Bromwich Hill. Oh, well, next week. Also, we're talking about a massive few days for Southampton and Stoke. Will either of these top-flight stalwarts start the fight back, or is it too little, too late to prevent relegation? That's all coming up on the Premier League Preview Show. Roberto Firmino has made it Manchester City 1, Liverpool 2. It's a horror show for Nicolas Odomendi. 5-1 on aggregate. City need 5 in the 12 minutes that remain to go through. It's not happening. Liverpool into the semi-finals for the first time in 10 years. Man, there are so many games coming up this week. So, normal programme Saturday, Sunday and Monday. On Saturday at 12.30, UK time, Southampton against Chelsea. At 5.30, that's again UK time, Liverpool-Bournemouth. There's a special late game on Saturday as Tottenham take on Man City. That's at 7.45 UK time. Across the threes, Crystal Palace take on Brighton. Massive derby there. Uh, Burnley take on Leicester. Huddersfield play Watford. And Swansea are up against Everton. On Sunday, Newcastle United against Arsenal. We'll all think, of course, about that classic 4-4 a few years ago. United against West Brom is the late game on Sunday. And Monday night football again. I got a ticket for, as a fan, with the working class. It's West Ham against Stoke City. Also, bonus games on Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday this week. But before we get into all of that, we'll talk about the weekend. And our football editor here at TalkSport, David Walker, is with me. How are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, very well, Tom. What a week. What a week it's been. I know. I still felt, I don't know about you, I still felt like City were going to do it. When they scored that goal in 90 seconds, I still thought they were going to yeah. do it. I can't believe they the way it another. out. They needed another in the first well, half. They got I think, another, didn't they? didn't they? Well, exactly. Uh, as, as we've been talking about ever since. And... I, I couldn't understand immediately at the time watching the, watching the game on TV over here in the UK. The commentators didn't seem to quite realise initially that the ball clearly come off James Milner, and and there's I mean, we've had this debate endlessly. But there's the fifth official there who's standing mm. right in front of the action. You can't miss the it. Linesman. I mean, yeah, it was it was a it was a shambles really, to be honest with you. But however, Liverpool did enough, didn't they? Yeah. They still. They, we always thought they would probably get a goal. They, they're gonna. They're they're a team that you don't want to have to guard against on the counter-attack because they're so quick and Mane and, and Salah did the business for Mino as well and, and over the two legs they deserve to go through they were very very good they were very very good however Salah's offside should have had a penalty and that ball touched Milner and it, 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 again it's another week I don't want to go on a big VAR thing again however 
just can't help but feel that it's another week where the amount of people that immediately were saying on the Twitter sphere, well, I still don't want VAR because it slows the game down. I mean, it goes to the other games in the Champions League as well. The, the Michael Oliver, horrible little spod that he is. Like, he made the right decisions, I think. I'm a harsh man. He made the right decisions, I think. But what else could he do? Well, no, it was a definite penalty, yeah. and he was getting abused yeah, by Buffon. I'm not sure it was a definite penalty. But it was. I'm not sure it was a definite penalty, but we're not doing that. It's not the Champions League review show, <laughs> but uh, it's another one of those incidents where someone after that said, uh, this is why we shouldn't have VAR, because they'd have taken another five minutes to look at it, and it still would have been a penalty anyway. And though I get that, you've got to get these guys looking at things again to stop mistakes, because City against Liverpool, whatever way you slice it, was part decided by incompetence. And then, when Guardiola gets sent off, uh, he says Sierra La Boca, which is shut up or shut your mouth. Is that insulting? It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what he said. It was but, the way, it, but that's what they're it charging was the way, It was the way he was behaving. They're charging him for no, no, abusive language. He, was, he ran onto that pitch at the end, and you could see the look in his eyes and the, and the hand gestures he was making. He was intimidating that match official. He was abusing that match official. But that isn't the charge, though, is it? The charge is abusive language. And shut your mouth... You know, well, that is that you, is. A, you I mean, can you no, can do that in my house. That's no, fine. The that, kids, that is abusive. If you've got right, a child, that's abusive. if you've got a child, that is right, not showing any respect to the referee. If you've got a child and he's sitting in front of you watching the TV and you're trying to make sure he doesn't swear, if he swears, he has to have a mouthful of soap, and he says the f word or he says shut your mouth, shut your mouth, he's going to get away with, isn't he? No, it's not no, the same he, thing. No, he shouldn't because the child was still being rude. And in that in that situation, but it's not rude. It's not rude language. No, it foul and abusive. You are splitting hairs here. That, <laughs> Guardiola was clearly abusive. Why is he always got to make it he about was, hair? He was clearly, That's he done was that. clearly abusive <laughs> to, that, to that referee. I know they've got history, and the referee may, maybe the referee brought that into it. But Guardiola, we've seen it more than once with him. Mm. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Guardiola's. I'm not one of these people that thinks he's a fraud and wants to you know, tear strips off him every time he loses. But clearly, if there is something that is his Achilles heel, it's that he's so obsessed with winning mm. that he lets it get the better of him. He Bad can't loser. keep his head when, it, when all's going wrong around can't him. Can't keep his hair. Three times now. <laughs> uh, apparently, it is abu- making abusive comments is one of the things. Uh, okay, well, I think anyone, could, any lip reader, regardless whether they speak English or Spanish, can see that that was not a friendly conversation. Sierra La Boca. Let's move on. Let's talk about Harry Kane. Uh, this is an incredible story this week. Um, so basically, he did not score that goal against Stoke last week. There's no way. I've seen but that a thousand times. If he feels it, though, if he feels it. He has said this week uh, that... What we need is the snickometer from we the We do need the Snickers. We? we need to yeah. get it on there. We need to get it on their bodies. Their shirt should be completely padded up. Um, but basically, he swore... He said, I swear on my daughter's life. Well, I'm, I'm with him. That I if touched prepared that to say ball. that, I'm with him. If he says that, do you think... It's got nothing to do with the fact that he's the captain of my fantasy <laughs> Premier League team. Do you still get the points? I don't think you do, I actually. think the week's closed off. Yeah, I think they've... So you don't even get the points yeah, for it. exactly. And Ericsson's going to get points he don't deserve. Mm. I just can't believe they went for it. Uh, and, and I love... There were some great reactions on Twitter this week. Sometimes Twitter is a horrible, horrible place, as you know. Other times it's fantastic. Um, Chris said... Uh, in which case, I'm claiming Frank Lampard's goal v Wales in 2004 for Michael Owen instead of Frank Lampard. That's his 41st goal for England. That's a record. Uh, I also like a couple more that came in. Kane is so generous, he's even ready to consider Ericsson's son now as his own. Uh, it's, it's mad. It's mad that they did it. And it's also mad that somehow the dubious goals panel have said that that is now his goal. What's going on? Do they also control the fantasy league points? Will there be a retrofit? Can I claim anything I want now? Can I just claim to be married to Megan Fox now? Because you claim it and you swear on someone's life, so you've got to get it. Otherwise, it's a bloodbath. Well, Harry Kane certainly was, even if he didn't touch that, 
didn't touch that ball. He was millimetres away from it. And you've certainly never been millimetres away from Megan Fox. Very true. Very true. For the safety of everyone involved. Carl <laughs> uh, McMahon did this one, which I liked. He said, he scores when he doesn't. He scores when he doesn't. Harry Kane scores when he doesn't. I love that one. Uh, listen, we're going to get Wolves next year in the Premier League. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, I know you us. were at the yeah. game uh, last week against Cardiff, which I had was. incredible drama. Uh, I want to ask you about that. But also, we've got to mention this. Ruben Neves, uh, who uh, there's so many people getting in touch and saying things like, oh, you've never heard of him until he went to Wolves. Portuguese international. Uh, there's a whole story behind that. Go out there and look it up if you want to see more about it. But let's talk about this. Ball comes out to him against Derby. 1-0 up. 40 yards. It's got to be 40 yards from goal. He's flicked the ball up with the outside of one of his boots. While the ball's in the air, he's repositioned and volleyed home uh, against Scott Carson, former Liverpool, former West Brom uh, goalkeeper, now at Derby. It is just one of the most sublime goals you're ever going to see. And I love the way as well. Uh, I don't know if you watched WrestleMania last week, Dave, but there was a, a headline event between Roman Reigns and, and Brock Lesnar, and the fans were chanting, this is awful, because the two guys didn't know how to put each other over. So if we're wrestling, I do a suplex on you, but you've got to sell it as the suplexy. Scott Carson sold it. He was suplexed with magnificence uh, against Neves. It was an amazing goal, and they're an incredible team. Neves is an exceptional player. He shouldn't be playing in the championship. As you mm. mentioned, he's a Portuguese international. He's played in the Champions League for Porto. He's going to grace the Premier he's League next season. I think he may have been in one game, yeah, as, as, a, as a youngster. Um, I mean, there's, there's already reports linking him with all manner of top clubs in, in the summer. We might not even see him in a Wolf shirt in the Premier League. Mm. Who knows? They've got enough money to hold on to him now if they want to, or they might want to cash in. But he scored a brilliant goal in the game on, on, Friday, on Friday against Cardiff as well. A 30-yard free kick. It was a really tight game. Cardiff were playing quite well, possibly edging it at that stage. But then he steps up, bangs on in the top corner. It's a very, very tight situation behind Wolves. But Wolves, as long as they get uh, the three points against Birmingham on Sunday, they will be in the Premier League next season. I mean, I've only seen him on TV. And you obviously see him uh, in the game against Cardiff last week. What, what kind of football do they play? How do they play? Good and football. what has made them so different from everyone else? Well, they play three at the back they've, with two wing backs. They've got a good mixture of players. They've got some British players who've been in the division and have been around and... and, and know the championship and what is required to get out of that league. But then they've also got players like Neves, like Bonatini up front, who scored a lot of their goals. But then they've also brought in Benikafobi from, from Bournemouth, who's, who was with Wolves before he went to Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a real good balance, but they like to get it down on the floor. They play good football. They're very comfortable in possession. They're in completely different to Cardiff, who might still come up with them in second place, mm. who are very direct and very rough and tumble sort of team. But that's you know that's the beauty of the of the league really they're they're both in their own right brilliant teams but yeah Wolves I think will be I think they're more than hold their own in the Premier League next season because they've got a good budget they've got this relationship with Fosun International which is part owned by George Mendes yep. and I could see some real stunning transfers being pulled off by Wolves this mm. summer there'll be a lot of people talking about should it is it right should we have that relationship with agents and. Well, that's already happened this so season. So it's illegal. And that, that discussion will go on again in the summer. But I, I can see us having some real head-turning transfers coming into Wolves in the summer. And, and I think they're, they're going to have a, have a real good go. Yeah, I might get to Fulham up as well, which would be great. Get on the championship if you've got the time. Uh, but we're a Premier League preview show, of course. Uh, one other quick line, Michael Oliver, uh, who's the guy who sent Opifon this week. I don't know what game he's got this weekend. But if you are thinking about singing a song to the referee this weekend, don't do the referees as so-and-so or something like that. What about a classic show tune? Because, of course, Gianluigi Buffon said he didn't have a heart. 
Well, perhaps you could say that he doesn't have a brain or courage either. So we could all sing, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. Oi! It's an idea. You, you try that. You try that at West Ham. See, see if it catch takes it off. off. Okay. Maybe something from Oliver. I don't know. <laughs> um, show tunes to come. Premier League previews too. Stay with us. Here is Chris Smalling. He's scored for Manchester United. And Manchester United lead 3-2. Chris Smalling with the goal. Sanchez delivered the ball from the wide left position. A free kick given away by Danilo. A rightfully curling ball into the 18-yard box. And Smalling stole a march to complete an amazing reversal of fortunes. It's Manchester City 2, Manchester United 3. This is astonishing. Right, let's get to the big story of the week. Manchester City should be champions by now. We gave it the big build-up. We gave it all of that last week. And then somehow they contrived to lose to Manchester United from that position. And then a few days later, another massive blow-up with Pep Guardiola contravening UEFA rule 69. And after being sent off, he was talking to his coaching staff. And apparently it needs Guardiola to tell Arteta... Stick Aguero on. Don't understand it. So it's been a bad week for City. And they're not going to win the league this week either, depending on how United get on against, well, West Brom. And also depending on how City get on away at Tottenham, one of the toughest away games of the season for anyone. If you're listening outside the UK, you can hear full commentary of this game with our international team. That's going to be me and the former City midfielder, Lee Croft, who joins us now. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Lee, what has happened, man? What has happened? We were talking a couple of weeks ago about this being the all-conquering, all-dominant European champions, treble winners. It's all a breeze for them. And Guardiola's had a full meltdown again at the vital stage of the season. <laughs> yeah, he has. It's been, a, it's been a disastrous week for City, to be fair. Um, you know, three defeats in a week. Uh, I certainly didn't see that coming. Um but yeah, it's been a really bad week for them and they really need to bounce back on Saturday. If they don't bounce back on Saturday, if Spurs win this match, which they're more than capable of doing, if yeah. they follow the example of Liverpool and they go at them, they've got the players that can hurt Man City, all of a sudden it really does change the complexion of this part of the season for Man City. We, we, this could have been the guard of honour at Wembley if, if things mm-hmm. had the second half of that game last week had gone the way the first half did. And it, it, it's, it's more than anything, this is a mental test for the players, isn't it? It's a mental test because I think they're not used to losing, are they? Especially three games on the bounce. If they lose at Tottenham, you know that'll make it four, uh, and that's unheard of, you know, with Manchester City this season. And you just hope that this week doesn't put a, a dampener and a downer of, you know, how great they've been this year. You know, they've been fantastic uh, in the Premier League, uh, and you just hope that. Well, I think it will do a little bit, but you just hope that it doesn't take too much of a of a shine off the season. There was an article in The Sun this week, which I think has gone a year early from Neil Ashton, who said that uh, Guardiola was brought into City to win the Champions League. And because of that, uh, this season can be seen as a failure, having been knocked out this week. It it feels to me like the first year was given as a bit of a free hit. Come on, that's ridiculous. Well, this is the question. The, The first one, the first season seemed like a bit of a free hit. This being Mm -hmm. the second year was win us the league. And then next year feels like you need to now deliver something else. It feels like he's gone a little bit early on it. However, it is worth asking if he doesn't win the Champions League next year, if the other teams then continue to improve, has this been a massive missed opportunity for Guardiola? And how has he managed to contrive to get it so wrong under pressure at the business end of the Champions League for the fourth out of the last five seasons? I think just because because of how, how well they've done in the league, um, you know, and the runs they've been on, I think people expected them maybe, I think you're right, maybe a year early. 
you know, to go on and really compete for the Champions League this year because um, they've been so good. Um, I'm probably the, under the same opinion as you, where you know it might be a year too early. I think you know they're going to win the league, um, not how they would have liked to have won it. You know they would have liked to have, have sealed it last week against Man United, but they are going to win the league. Um, and I think yeah, I think you're probably right. I think next year is is the big one for for Pep there. I think he's he's going to have to you know really go for the Champions League, and I'm sure. I think we spoke about before. I think that, although winning the league's great, I think the Champions League is the one that you know that he will want to win at Manchester City. It is very hard to win the Champions League, though, isn't it? Mm. You know, you, when you're when you've got a whole season to win a league campaign, you can work on things and you can get there. But if you're demanding that a manager comes in and has to win the Champions League, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's the absolute elite competition in world football the margins are mm. so so fine and yes you can look at the results that he's had with, with Bayern against the Spanish teams and now against Liverpool and he's he's been beaten heavily mm. in knockout mm-hmm. stages of the Champions League but in all of those matches it's just it's it's such a fine margin one little decision goes against you or you make a you know you get the first goal and it's it's tough but I suppose it's the results the results business and they will be they've spent a hell of a lot of money so they will be demanding in, at least improvement in the Champions League I suppose next season. Yeah, they will. They'll definitely be looking. I think, like I think, I think, like you said earlier, I think you hit the nail on the head. They'll be looking to win it next year. I think he probably has to win it next year. Um, you know, you were talking about fine margins there. Well, you know, I felt that even the Man U game, I think, in the league when they got beat, I think they should have put the game to bed first half. And Sterling missed a couple of great opportunities, and you know they could have been out of sight by half time. They didn't, and Man U come back and and won the game. And I think the same the other night they started. Um, brilliantly, uh, got the early goal. Um, you know, the the offside went against them. Mm. You know that if, if that if that doesn't go against them, then you know you probably would have backed them then at two 0 to come out in the second half and you know probably get back in the game at least score three and you know things could be a lot different. The great news this week for Tottenham fans is that Harry Kane's daughter lives. That's good news, isn't it? Because he swore on her life that he scored that goal against Stoke last week, which he definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely didn't score. Um, what do you make to all that? Spurs appealing for the goal to go to Harry Kane as opposed to one of their other players, by the way, Christian Eriksen. <laughs> well, Kane's a goal scorer and he wants to be up Well, no, he's not. <laughs> That's the thing. He's not. <laughs> they want his tally to be up there at the end of the season, so I don't know. I can see why Harry Kane wants it, and third place in Tottenham <laughs> trying to make sure he gets it. It's all a scam, mate. It's all a scam. I'm not having it. I also read this week that he won the 1986 Grand National, but he's claimed it, so he's got to have it now. That's the way it is. Um, yeah. And, and Spurs, 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 I suppose Spurs are the kind of team that can mirror Liverpool. I know Dave said it earlier in the question, but if anyone can match that high pressure, high intensity, get up there, get at them, they don't like it up and style it, it will be Spurs. And, and weirdly, this could be a fourth straight loss for Man City. It's incredible when you think about it. And maybe we'll stop talking about them being the greatest team ever because when it came down to it, they couldn't handle it against the better opponents. <laughs> if it is four straight win, uh, defeats on the bounce of City, then you know, that is incredible uh, going off the earlier season. But like you say, this is the time when it matters. And you know, it seems like City you know, crumbling a little bit. Uh, I think you're right. I think if anyone can you know, emulate what... What Liverpool did, it is Tottenham. Um, they've been they've been fantastic this season, and um, we've watched. I think we've watched City before, haven't we? And we said that you know that is the way to beat him is the high pressing. Don't let him just knock the ball around at will because uh, he will hurt you. And I think uh, Liverpool uh, Liverpool probably give a lot of teams you know hope and uh, inspiration in how to go about Manchester City in the future. 
really as well, when you look at this game and you look at the record that Tottenham have got at the moment, they've unbeaten in 14 Premier League games. Same with Manchester United, they're on a great run. Liverpool have sorted out their problems, they're on a great run. It it just underlines how good Manchester City have been, that we're not mm-hmm. coming into this stage of the season with much to look forward to. Because, mm. you know, we know what the top four is going to be. And any other season, had Manchester, United, Manchester City not been so dominant, we'd have an unbelievable title race on our hands, really. Because the other teams have done really well. They've all had good seasons, but they're made to look worse by Man City's dominance. Yeah, well, the early dominance obviously won it for them. Um, I think you're right. I think if, if it wasn't for that, you know, the, the unbelievable form early on in the season, then we could be in for a, a, a great run-in, probably one of the best run-ins that we could have had because, as you say, so many teams are, have upped the game and on great runs at the moment. And, you know, it could have been, a, you know, maybe more than a two-horse race, but um, City's dominance has, you know, put that to bed early doors and, you know, ultimately, you know, won them the league. If uh, Miani had wheels, she'd be a wheelbarrow. Don't yeah, worry about exactly. it, lads. Uh, exactly. the, facts, the facts are that City have won it. Uh, what about Liverpool up against Bournemouth? That's on Saturday at 5.30. Uh, and I suppose it's a bit of a, a come crashing down to earth moment now for, for Jürgen Klopp <laughs> and Liverpool. I thought it was quite funny, actually. I was watching, uh, as I often do, the tweets of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, and he was posting about Dayan Lovren, who apparently, much like Ashley Young did, uh, gave the majority of the team talk at the Etihad the other night and was telling the players to kind of keep it together, put more effort in. We need to wake up and work harder. Otherwise, we may well lose this game. And Oxlade-Chamberlain mm-hmm. has kind of taken a picture of him in the, the bath uh, and he said something along the lines of, why aren't you standing up now? Uh, which I thought was great. I mean, Dan Lovren, of all the people to tell you to play up, you wouldn't listen to him, would you? <laughs> Do you know what? I think even earlier on as well, you know, Lovren was... You know, he got a bit of stick as well, um, you know, defensively for Liverpool. And, you know, no fair play to him. I think <laughs> along Van Dijk, he's probably come come along and the, they seem a lot more shored up at the back now. And I think that's been beneficial. But, yeah, that, that's surprising that he has uh, such an influence. This is the game, genuinely. I know I say it every week. This is the game I think everyone should be on this weekend because Bournemouth... If you're not watching City or Liverpool, that's who you should be watching. Again, uh, last week, the game against Palace. I told you it was going to happen, and it happened again. An end-to-end swinging, goals at both ends. Everyone's attacking, no one's defending. Bung everybody forward. I mean, Liverpool, they rest a couple of players, and we might see a little rotation. How fit was Mohamed Salah a couple of days ago? You know, he could not have been 100% considering the injury he picked up a week before. So if he's rested, a couple of these younger players come in, you know, they might give Nathaniel Klein a few more minutes. It's that sort of stuff. There's a big opening here for Bournemouth. And Bournemouth, who are safe on 38, as far as I'm concerned, I think they'll get a few more points anyway, irrespective of where they are now. There's no reason why Bournemouth won't go and attack them. And this could be an end-to-end 5-3. I really fancy it. Yeah, like you say, Bournemouth play some good football. They're, they're a good side. They've managed to stay in the Premier League. And, you know, it's, they can go out there and express themselves. And I think it's a big game as well because I think you know the the reason Liverpool aren't up there, you know, in the league, maybe where they should be on, you know, when they're on form, is because of inconsistency. And you wouldn't put it past them, you know, after the great week they've had to then, you know, go to Bournemouth and lose. Um, I think that's been one of the Liverpool's major problems. Tom and Nate, thank you very much indeed. Lee Croft, former City no midfielder, with us on the preview show. Uh, stay with us. Loads more to get through. Danny Gavin is up next. We're talking Manu against West Brom. Stick around. It is the Premier League preview show for the 34th week of the season. Don't worry, West Brom fans, just five games to go and you can forget this entire thing ever happened. 
Sadly, though, this weekend, it's a trip to Manchester United and Old Trafford, which, you know, it might be the start of the comeback. Good point last week. You never know. Stay positive. That's the important thing. Uh, to talk about this game and a few other stories across the Premier League, we are joined by our former Albion defender, also once of West Ham and Cardiff City too. Danny Gavident is with us. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm very well, Tom. How are you? I'm OK, man. I mean, it's got to end for West Brom soon, hasn't it? I mean, everyone was so happy with that point against Swansea last week. Despite outplaying Swansea for 90 minutes, they still couldn't get a win. It's not the place you want to go, Old Trafford, after winning the Manchester derby in this sort of state, is it? Um, yeah, I could think of better games to, <laughs> to have, to be fair. Um, listen, it's been a disastrous season for West Brom. Um, they really shouldn't be where they are. The, the amount of money they spent in the summer, um, I think they were expecting to, to kick on, after, especially after Tony Pulis. That hasn't been the case. You know, they scored the lowest amount of goals in the league, only one away win this season. And going to a Manchester United side, they've won five wins in a row, um, only lost one at home all season, so um, it's going to be a really difficult game for them, and you know, everything points to a, a possible massacre, to be fair. Um, I was at West Brom last week against when they uh, took Swansea on, and um, to be fair, for 25 minutes, they were um, enthusiastic, obviously, Darren Moore taken over for that game, and for 25 minutes, so they, they tried to run around, and you know, they were high energy, managed to get themselves in front, but I think just the lack of know-how, how to see a game out and kind of as the game went on and after they scored, they actually got worse and Swansea obviously come back and, and got the equaliser. So, you know, going to Old Trafford, you really can't see them getting anything from that. And, yeah, as you say, you know, it's a matter of time, obviously, until um, that relegation is confirmed for me. I was going to ask you about last week. Um, and did we see anything that Darren Moore did differently? Personnel, tactics, anything like that? Obviously, you just mentioned the effort levels were increased. Was was that it? Was there anything else? Um, I think it was just a bit more enthusiasm. I don't think he went about things too different uh, tactically um, or personnel-wise. Um, they kind of stepped up when in a four-two-three-one formation. Um, but certainly, you know, you can see they were they were trying for the new manager, particularly in the first 20, 25 minutes. They really came out of the blocks uh, quick. You know, they were trying to press a lot higher, win the ball in, in higher areas. And, and they, they had a bit of joy from it. But after about half an hour and not getting that first goal, um, they, they generally kind of got worse as the game went on. Um, managed to then get themselves in front um, in, in, in the second half and you know, just a lack of confidence and quality, really, to see Swansea off, who were, who were really were there for the taking, um, and and they allowed Swansea back into the game. And they generally kind of got worse as the game went went on, even after going in front. So, you know, they've just lacked that quality all season. Mm. Um, haven't got that balance right. They've conceded a lot of goals, and you know, their home form's been really poor. Uh, struggled to to score goals, and you know, hence. They are where they are. So, um, yeah, going to United is going to be a, a really difficult game for them. And the club are really clearing out the deck. So they've already sacked the... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Chief exec in Martin Goodman. John Williams, the chairman, was also sacked by Gokwan Lai. They brought back Mark Jenkins as CEO of the club. And this week, the technical director, Nick Hammond, who was, uh, as we understand it, very, very important in the appointment of Alan Pardew in November. He's also gone this week. We know Pards has already gone. I mean, it's weird, Gabs, that a team would clear the decks in both the boardroom and also the coaching staff almost in total preparation of going down to the championship. And I know you've been in a sort of similar position as a player before. I just wondered, when that's all happening, and it's all going on at board level and you know you're getting relegated, um, what is the motivation for some of these players to put in any sort of performance from now? Is that why Darren Moore's there, because of the kind of person he is? Yeah, I think quite possibly. Um, obviously, he's a, a big personality. Um, someone who's played for the club knows the club inside out. He's a, he's a fan favourite and... You know, you could understand that kind of appointment between now and the end of the season, trying to get a lift from the fans and from the players. And certainly um, the atmosphere at the stadium last weekend um, wasn't what you would have expected. And I think it was because of that reason. You know, the fans were were behind the manager, wanting him to see, uh, to see him do well. Um, and, and they kind of got behind the players, to be fair, off the back of that. So um, from that point of view, it's probably worked. But... I think it's just uh, it shows you how many problems they have. You know, they mm. they try to change things from the top, starting at the top, um, and then working their way down. I think you see a lot of players leave the club in the summer. You know, players between now and the end of the season are, are playing for their futures. Some of them, um, but I'm sure you're going to see a, a lot of them go. It's going to be a big turnaround in the summer in, in preparation for for life in the championship. And I have to say, Tom, I'm not sure they'll come straight back either. We know what a difficult league that is. So. Yeah, they'll be passed by walls as well, won't they? Passed by walls on their way down, which is about the last thing. It will make it even worse. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Quick to Manchester United. What a performance last week. I was doing the commentary of the Manchester derby, and I don't think I've ever done any game where the first half has been so different from the other. We can talk about Raheem Sterling missing big chances and not being a striker until we're city blue in the face. But I thought United in that second half... Pogba was fantastic. Sanchez, fantastic. The endeavour and the kind of spirit to get back into it. And I love the story of Ashley Young saying he gave the majority of the halftime team talk and saying, listen to them, Olaying out there. I mean, Gabs, for a player to do, to do that, uh, is that more inspiring in a way than the manager doing it, someone that you're out there with and grafting with and he said, look, you've got to buck your ideas up, I've got to buck my ideas up. Is that where that, came, that comeback was inspired from? Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes... Uh... A player stepping up in the dressing room um, and saying his piece can have a bigger effect than than a manager, um, and I think that has been a problem for United most of the season. Really, yes, they have improved on the previous season, but 
there has been a number of players that haven't performed consistently enough. Paul Pogba, as you mentioned there, and you just wonder why um, they haven't been able to produce those kind of performances a bit more consistently. Uh, obviously, nothing to lose second half, 2-0 down. Uh, they played with a bit more freedom, got on the front foot, uh, got Pogba into the right areas where, where you, sh- you should see him, really. Too often, he, you know, he's deep getting the ball off defenders. You know, he's, he's a powerful, athletic, box-to-box midfielder for me who should get into the box more and should score more goals. So um, they had nothing to lose. They they went on the front foot and, and you know, they shell-shocked in the second half. Before. I think everybody thought Man City had that game done and dusted and, you know, it shouldn't really take a derby game and then being too down to, to spur them into life. You'd like to see this United team playing um, with that intensity from, from the first minute. Um, you know, they've done it most of the time at home this season, very good home record, but the players they got, you just like to see them let off the leash a little bit more, mm. and you know maybe yeah. that can be a point to Mourinho going into next season to play a bit more expansive going forward. I think that would be the frustration if you're a Manchester United fan. Obviously, you'd be delighted that you managed to stop City winning the title, that they came back and won the match, mm. but you would be left thinking... What? Come on, Paul. Where's that performance been in the last few months? Whether it's his own fault, whether there's a, the relationship with the manager, but obviously it's fine margins. City have been a, an outstanding team this season, but you you would just be thinking, oh, if only we'd just done more of that, we might not be so far behind them. Yeah, I think you know you need to put things into perspective a little bit as well and say, you know, Man City have had a, a fantastic season, yeah. a one-off really. Um, United have improved. Um, I can't see Man City being that dominant next season, winning that many games on the bounce. Um, and if you take City away, you know United, are, you know you probably say you know they're, they're having a pretty good season uh, mm. compared to the previous ones. I just think Man City have been so good; it's, it's making United as well look uh, probably worse than, than what they are. So um, the problem is, you know, with Mourinho in charge, um, he's a very demanding manager, very stubborn as well, and you know won't really change his ways, so it's down to the players to, to do what he says or or you'll ship them out. So you can't really see United changing too much next season, but, but you've just seen a, a glimpse here in the second half against Man City of what they are capable of doing um, if players are allowed freedom and, and allowed to, to express themselves. I was chatting to a United fan after the game and I was like, you must be delighted, mate. You've won the derby. Like, out of nowhere, it's brilliant. When he was like, yes, two more years of Mourinho, that means... Not great. <laughs> um, listen, uh, any stats for this one, Dave? Anything that draws you in for this one? Nothing at all. Right, we'll move on to the game we all want to talk about, and that is Monday Night Football, West Ham against Stoke. Now, a uh, big point for West Ham last week against Chelsea. A victory before that against Southampton. By a hook or by a crook now, somehow moving towards the safety line, which for me is where Watford are currently on 37 points, looking at what Southampton and Stoke and Palace and Huddersfield have got left. What chance of a West Ham blow-up at home against Stoke in the game that could get them over the line? How do they approach this game? Well, I think they, they've got to be positive. Um, and you would think that they would win this game if Stoke had been in, in poor form. But it has been West Ham all season, to be fair, Tom. Very inconsistent. You know, Some of the games that you expect them to win, they haven't. Um, against the, the bigger sides, the, you know, the, the Chelsea's and what have you, they've they picked up results. So... You just don't know what you're going to get with this this West Ham United team. Um, more often than not, when their backs have been against the wall this season, that's when they've really dug in and, and and pulled out a performance. But you know, in the games where 
Um, they're expected to win. Um, the, the pressure's a bit different. They, they struggle to perform and get results. So you'd think they'd be really up for this one, you know, six points off the relegation zone if they were to win this one. I think that would pretty much kind of put them safe, looking for back-to-back home wins, come off the back of a, a decent draw against Chelsea. So um, you, you'd have to favour West Ham because still really are in poor form. They no win in nine games, one win in ten for, for Paul Lambert since he's come in. You know, they've conceded the most goals in the Premier League, haven't scored too many either. Mm-hmm. Um so it's hard to find your corner for Stoke City get anything from this. But um the only positive for Stoke is they've been that bad and they're still not really detached from um you know at the bottom of the league. I think it's four points difference between them and Palace who are who are sitting in seventeenth. So you know, there still is a bit of incentive for them as well, but you'd expect West Ham to have mm. too much and, uh, and and pick up the three points, and that should see them safe for me. It's all eyes on Arnautovic again, isn't it? He's mm. already had his moment where he scored against Southampton and had a go at Mark Hughes on the bench, but he's against his old club again, and he has really shown the doubters that he is an absolutely brilliant player when he's on his game. Well, he's a match winner, and you know, you look at him start of the season and. You know, he was getting a lot of stick, got sent off, um, didn't look like he was too interested. David Morris comes into the club and suddenly starts getting the tune out of him. And if he plays well, West Ham look um, a very different team, look a, look a decent outfit. So um, they'll be looking to him again. Um, you know, obviously, he started to play a, a more central role as a striker and he seemed to have uh, thrived off the responsibility of being that main man. Um, and he's been the guy getting the goals um, and, and the assists as well. So, um, you know, if he plays well, you, you see West Ham winning. Um, you know, I mentioned Stoke there defensively, how bad they've been, um, even with the likes of Bruno Martins, Indy coming in, Kurt Zoom on zone, uh, coming in on loan, sorry. Um, I don't see him being able to, to contain on average, if, if I'm honest mm. with you. So, um I think it's going to be a, a difficult one for Stoke. But, you know, they've got a couple of good games coming up after that. Burnley at home. They play Liverpool away. Palace at home and Swansea away for Stoke. So, there are some winnable games there coming off the back of um, a couple of difficult ones as well. So, you know, still incentive for them. But they, they really need a win, to be fair. But I, I don't see them getting it on Monday. And I think West Ham will, will pick up all three points. And I, th- I think you have to give credit. To, to David Morris, I think he's done a, a decent job. He's, well, he's no, had a lot of injuries. David Morris done a good well, job again. Here we agree, go. Tom. I know you don't agree, Tom, but um, well, you know whether he's going to be in charge next season or not, I'm, I'm not so sure. But I think with some of the things he's had to deal with, you know, when you look at the injuries, especially to the back line, he's he's had to, to play a makeshift uh, kind of back line mm. for a number of games now. Um, Italian international, to... Irish international, England international yeah. at the back. Must yeah, be really tough having it. the best squad in the bottom half. <laughs> It's been a mixed bag, Tom, and to be fair, it's like that most seasons with West Ham. They do seem to pick up a lot of injuries, especially to the, the defensive players, and I think he's done a decent enough job, and you have to say the, the trip to Miami has, has done the trick, I think. And I would, I would, and, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I would say occasionally playing Javier Hernandez made a bit of a difference as well. For some reason, he don't get any minutes. Play Hernandez this week. Like, this is the difference. Yeah. I was watching the Stoke Tottenham game the other day, and all the chances fell to Mama Biram Diouf. And he could have made it 1 0. Could have scored late on as well. I think he did score the only goal of the game for Stoke. Like, but yeah. he could have got a trick in the game. Whereas West Ham can bring on Hernandez. And if West Ham survived this year because those two guys up front know how to score a goal, teams like Stoke, they don't. And one other quick line on this to, to follow exactly 
what uh, our Man United fan said about Mourinho is the same thing to a West Ham fan said to me after the Chelsea game. What a great point that is. A win over Stoke and we're up. And he was like, yeah, but it means two more years of Moyes, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, Gabs, let's hope we get a win. Thanks a lot, mate. And we'll see you on Sunday for the West Brom game. Cheers, Tom. Danny Gavidan, uh, the former West Brom and West Ham defender with us. Stay with us. Lots more to get through. It's the Premier League preview show for game week 34 of the season. Big questions still to be answered down the bottom of the Premier League. And Antonio Conte still in charge of Chelsea as well. So why not start our roundup of the rest of the games with the 12.30 UK time kickoff from St Mary's this weekend, where Southampton just got to start getting something soon. They are up against the Chelsea team that were held last week by fellow relegation strugglers West Ham United. Uh, Southampton. They've got to get something. And Chelsea, last week against West Ham, I thought West Ham could have won it. There's just yeah. a kind of indifference about a lot of Chelsea's play there right is. now. The season a listlessness. It is petering out. And this is an opportunity for Southampton. I mean, they've had a few of them over the last few weeks. We've said this and they've not, they've not grasped any of them. But it's the early game, which sometimes can, tach, can, can catch some of the bigger teams unawares a little bit. They're at home. It's, it's, it's a pressure match for them. They need to get points lest the other teams start climbing away from them and I, I, I can I'm just looking at the sort of teams in that relegation battle discounting West Brom now I think we could have a remarkable situation on our hands this weekend Go on. that I can see Stoke Southampton Palace Huddersfield Swansea all winning which would mean West Ham Brighton and Watford would be right in the thick of that relegation battle. They'd be really concertinaed up. Because I think, you know, look, I think Southampton, as I just said, it's going to be tough for them, but I think they, they could potentially get a result against Chelsea. I think Palace at home to Brighton. Brighton are not very good away. Mm. It's a big derby match. Mm. I can see Palace. They've been playing quite well recently. I could see them beating them. Watford can't score for love nor money away from home. Mm. Grass, Javi Gratia has not seen his team score Javi away who? from home. Has not seen his team score. He away went for from, it. Away from home. He puts the Gracia, TH in. It's Gracia, weird. You know what I mean. Uh, so Huddersfield, I mean, they're not too great at scoring themselves, but I could see them beating Watford. Swansea at home to Everton. See, Huddersfield beating Watford. I, I could I could see it. Swansea at home, to, at home to Everton. So where does this all leave us? Well, this would leave us with... So between Watford would have 37, and the bottom of those teams, Stoke would have 30, but then Southampton would have 31. One, Crystal Palace would have 34, Huddersfield would have 35, Swansea would have 35, hmm. you'd have West Ham in there on 34, Brighton would still have 35. Could be interesting. So a massive weekend uh, for West Ham, as we were discussing, a massive weekend uh, for several teams down there, Stoke as well. I mean, they've got to get something at uh, the Olympic Stadium uh, on Monday night. To go back to Southampton, um, it is surprising they're there. And I think what, what Mark Hughes did in the first game and then kind of corrected the ensuing week was make sure... You have the kind of talents in the team that are up for the fight. I think maybe he didn't quite realise that there was a fight to be had. So in the first game up against West Ham, there was no James Ward-Prowse. There was kind of a, a lack of that physicality. He went three at the back and Jack Stevens got sent off and he'll miss the FA Cup semi-final. But he brought in a physicality to his game. They had a three at the back. Yoshida came in in between him and him and Hooten. It kind of worked a lot better. And, and James Ward-Prowse did start the game and gave them that bite that Shane Long gives him as well. I think they accepted last week they were in a relegation battle, and I think they'll scrap for everything in this game. I think there's every chance they get something against this poor Chelsea team as well. Um, oh, quickly on, on Chelsea, Giroud. Got to start, hasn't he? 
Why is he not starting? Uh, Morata had six chances against West Ham, didn't hit the target at all. He was on for three minutes and it took a, a vintage Joe Hart say to stop Chelsea winning it. Just play Giroud, it's making me very sad. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Crystal Palace against Brighton, you mentioned it. The, the Terry Venables, Alan Mullery derby, which for some reason still exists uh, for like 15-year-olds who support Palace. It's odd. Um, Palace just don't score goals. Uh, and, and Wilfred Zaha, as good as he is at creating chances and creating chaos... You know, you said it a few times this season, the stats don't lie. doesn't get involved in goal-scoring incidents enough. And Benteke has been out, Serlot injured. Not sure if Serlot's going to be back for this weekend. Benteke being out, I'm not sure how much yeah. of a problem that is. How do they get the goals against Brighton, even though, as you say, they are a bit rough on the road? Yeah, I think with Zaha, to be fair to him, it's as much to do with Palace's misfiring He's crossing to Benteke. Other, other players, yeah. yes, forwards and, and attacking midfielders as much as, as his failings. He's obviously a good player. He's obviously a player that you'd want in your team and Brighton will be conscious of his threat. And they have been conservative away from home. They've not scored many goals away from home. They do have Glenn Murray on their side Mm. coming up against his old side, Crystal Palace. So you would expect perhaps for him to to get one over on his old team. He'd be motivated to do so. So often happens. But I, I think Palace are due a win and I think they'll get this one. Uh, Brighton, 35 points, uh, and it's been discussed quite a lot that their running is very, very difficult. It is, it is. They re- that last weekend was a massive missed opportunity for them. They gave that game away. Huddersfield yeah. hadn't scored for four games before that, and really they shouldn't have scored last week. Shane Duffy presenting the ball on a plate to them and rounding the goalkeeper and scored. And, mm. you know, and the goal that, was that they get, that, um, I mean, the goal they scored, they were on top. Big time for about mm. 20, 30 minutes. They were peppering the goal with shots. And Jonas Lerso at Huddersfield, for me, is the worst keeper in the league. He makes Joe Hart look competent. He's had quite a lot of... He's, I don't think he's done too bad. Howlers. Howlers, mate. Every single week. Bad back passes, poor positioning, dropping them. That one come off his, his back of his head. What are you talking <laughs> about? He's rubbish. Uh, so that run in for Brighton. Uh, so it's Palace this weekend, and, and I think they've got to get something. Yeah. And then it's Spurs at home, which is incredibly tough. Burnley away. Who's beating Burnley these days? Then... United, City, Liverpool. 35 is not the line. 37, for me, is the line. And I, mean, I don't I think, think they yeah, can... I think even just a bit higher. Do you think a bit more? Maybe. Yeah, Maybe not too far yeah. too far up. I mean, the reason I think 37 is if West Ham beat Stoke the weekend, Stoke would be stuck on 27 with, with four to go. Yeah. Uh, Southampton, they'd lose at Chelsea this weekend. It is dependent on those results. If they win, I'm happy to recalibrate to 40. Mm. Um, but yeah, Palace Brighton, big game. What about Newcastle against Arsenal? I'll never forget. I'll never forget that 4-4. I mentioned it earlier in the show. Um, when it was, it was doing, I was doing the first ever the shift at Talksport. Is that right? Yeah. I was working at a rival radio station at the time, uh, and it was the first time I'd kind of reported on a game, and just phenomenal, phenomenal. It was the the Czech Tiote ninety second minute volley, volley yeah. Joey Barton penalty these days of Talksport and all that. Incredible comeback, uh, an incredible season for Newcastle as well. They find themselves tenth following three wins in a row. No, I mean they're there, they snuck up they're on there the rails, didn't they? Yeah. What a job Rafa's done. I know I know you don't agree with this, but for me, they've got no, one, no, at no, least no, no. one of the I mean, weaker squads in, in English football. Yeah, no, I, d- I disagree with that, but I, I think he's done a good job nevertheless. And to, to get his team 10th with a few games to go is a good achievement. If he manages to finish in the top half, it'll be interesting to see next season what they do. Because mm. he's going to need 60, 60 to 80 mil. Otherwise, why would he stay? Well, and the rest, I think. Why would Ra- why would Rafa? But I mean, if he got that money, he doesn't, doesn't get you that much these days. But well, he does it, to be honest. I suppose not. It's I mean, three good. That's about three, three decent strike, decent players. Twenty million is like sort of a five million of about five years ago. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think the big job for them is convincing Rafa Benitez that 
that he wants to stay there because he's a Champions League manager. And there'll be Champions League clubs, I think maybe even in this country, that could be having a little look at Rafa Benitez and thinking, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we have some like this? Europa League teams, at the very least, would be looking at Rafa Benitez. Why would he waste another year at Newcastle United if they ain't going to give him the money? Well, the big job for Arsenal is to win away, win away from home. Yeah. They've lost the last four away Premier League games. Uh, and whether they've got the stomach for it and the fight for it a few days after the trip to Moscow last as well. Last time they lost five in a row away from home? Go on. Was in December 1984, a run which they ended with victory at St James's Park. Ooh, oh, stat man. Burnley against Leicester. Uh, that's yeah. one of the three o'clock kickoffs this week. A bit week. of a Europa League shootout this, potentially, isn't it? Well, it's interesting. We were just speaking about Arsenal as well. There's a chance that Burnley could catch Arsenal. Five points behind them at the moment. Here, Leicester, I think this is their final kind of attempt to close that gap down. There's been a couple of missed opportunities for Leicester in the last couple of weeks. I thought they were going to do it. I mean, losing at home against Newcastle was a shocker. Mm. Didn't see it coming. Made defensive howlers in that game. If, even if they win this game, I still wouldn't fancy him to catch Burnley. I think it's all about Burnley trying to catch Arsenal, which is doable. Yeah, and Burnley played Watford last season and, and won 2-1. They didn't play that well for the first hour or so. Watford looked good, spurned a host of chances, as has been the way for them in, the re- in recent weeks. But Burnley, it's maybe no surprise that they did that. 12 of their third, last 13 Premier League goals have been scored after half-time. They come into games late. They come on strongly to closing stages of games. And they, I don't know whether it's their fitness or whether it's mm. their desire or what it is, but they have a habit of just hanging in there. The same with the game against West Ham. I remember mm. you saying they didn't play that well, but they, they got late goals. You know, and that's, that's what they do. That and that's tactic, why they're seventh. That tactic is so funny because when you watch people like Moyes, you mentioned West Ham there, or Allardyce do it, and uh, there are lots of teams that play that way. Stay in the game for 70 minutes, last 20, let's attack. It's a very, very sort of common tactic. But they just make it work. And they've continued to make it work. It, it makes me think maybe of like Millwall in the championship. Or when your, your, your style of play has started working, even if everyone else is trying to do it, there's a feeling it's going to keep working and keep working. It's that positive air. It's that it's going to fall to Vokes. It's going to fall to Barnes. Don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. And that has somehow managed to carry on throughout the season. I thought Burnley were going to fall down the table 40 times this year. Well, they did have a big period in the middle of the season where they didn't win for ages. They didn't go anywhere. But no one else took advantage and they stayed where they were, yeah. Uh, you got to look at Huddersfield as well. They're in action against Watford this weekend. They've got Watford at home, Everton at home. This is the season for this club uh, because after that, it's City away, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home on the final day. And look, they might get something against Arsenal at home on the final day. Arsenal nothing to play for. You know, you never know if they need it. Uh, but currently Huddersfield sit on 32 points. The next two games, the next two wins, if they get them, is 38. And what yeah. a great point they got last week as uh, well. It was, a, it was a big result for them last week. I think they were slightly fortunate. Maybe they did well to hold on, maybe. But you know, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Huddersfield or Huddersfield fans because, look, they've they've got the points on the board and, and you know you can't take that away from them. But if they stay up this season, it is shameful on Stoke, Southampton, if they were the teams to go down or whoever else goes down. Huddersfield really... Yeah, haven't they're not they're not good enough. No results. But the other teams nothing. have had such such disastrous seasons mm. for a variety of extenuating circumstances that they've allowed Huddersfield to to be up there and and pick up more points. And I think they really deserve to have done with with the the way they've played, the players they have. But look, if they stay up, great. Good luck to them. And I, mm. you know, in some respects, I hope they do. I do like them as a club. I like David Wagner. I like the fans and the stadium. But I, I'm really surprised that they're, that they're not further down the table. Than no, it's they an interesting are. way of looking at it. I think that it's incredible that a team that Steve Mounier scored again last week, and I think every single time he scores, it has to basically be gift wrapped and given to him. Uh, and then they're still bringing on Laurent de Poitre, who's just a massive lump. Like, isn't, I mean, just go on the calorie count he made. Could have lost a stone of that easy. 
uh, playing the last 20 minutes. They're a poor side with a defensive manager, and I hope they go. Uh, elsewhere uh, in the Premier League this weekend, oh, I should mention Watford, sorry, up they are playing a team. Yeah. How unlucky are Watford last week, by no, the way? It's not unlucky. I don't think it's unlucky, really. I think it's... They dominated that first yeah, half. Pope Pereira was yeah. incredible. He had a good... He's been playing well lately. He's been switched to the left. He cuts inside. He's looking a lot better out there. Um, Richarlison, who's still being linked with Chelsea and Manchester United, can't, can't get a game because he's not played well for yeah. about three months. Um, but Watford just can't take the chances. And I think that all comes down to the fact that the, up front, the strikers aren't good enough. Mm. Troy Deeney will do what Troy Deeney does. We'll probably still get you 10 goals a season, most of them from a penalty spot. Fair enough. But Andre Gray can't get a look in anymore. Uh, Stefano Akaka is doing what he's done throughout his whole career, just coming on in fits and starts. Has the odd good moment, but generally not good enough. And there's no one else. Charleston, as we said, scored a lot of goals at the start of the season, gone off the boil. Mm. He's a young lad. You know, you expect that. Um, and there's not, there's no one to put the ball away. They're creating good, good chances, getting in good areas, but there's no decisiveness. There's no cutting edge. And that's why they can't hold on to leads or they're losing games. Have you created your bizarre everyone below Watford except West Ham win scenario because you're just nervous about Watford? Is that the reason? It's for partly it? that, yeah. Cause I it's partly I, the pessimist in me, yeah. I just think that's classic I'm also, football I, fan I, I pessimism. Also think, I'm also just think it would be brilliant for the Premier League if that happened. I Do don't, you? I want it to go as far as with my football editor's hat on. <laughs> I, want an, I want an exciting last day of the season where five teams could still be relegated. Oh, if West Ham just beat Stoke, we just move on. That's what we need. Uh, one final game we not mentioned, Swansea against Everton. I thought West Brom, as, as Gabs was speaking about earlier on, uh, were a much better team against Swansea last week. Uh, and Swansea somehow got a vital point, nicked it. Uh, Everton this weekend, who... You know, Big Sam says we're making it up. It's all about Twitter. We're just doing this for Facebook clicks. So, you know, maybe this doesn't mean anything. But last week, they tried the Burnley tactic against uh, Liverpool. He did exactly that same thing, and he got a lot of stick for it. But he doesn't have the credit in the bank. And he doesn't have that relationship where we're accepting of it as Everton fans, you know? I think this is important for, for both these teams this it weekend. Is. For Everton, if Allardyce wants to stay, we, we need to see whether they actually want to stay, whether Rooney is going to continue to be a midfielder after his strop last week. I know he was talking on TalkSport this week about having a bit of a chat with, with Rooney about the way he came off uh, in, in the Merseyside derby. And Swansea, you can't let Everton at home go. No, it's a huge game for Swansea. Because they are, they do have, they still do cling to that decent home record that they've got away from home. It's it's pretty terrible, um, but they've had a few games lately where you were looking at it like this, thinking this is a good opportunity for them to get a, a get a win, and they haven't quite they've come up. They come up a little bit short. I mean, I know Jordan Ayew's suspension has hurt them, um, but they, yeah, quite simply at home to Everton, this is a game that they'll be targeting uh, for all three points. So, where are you going this week? Got a whole bunch of games you're going to be going to up and down the motorway. Well, I'm actually. Not going to any games this weekend, but I'm going, I'm going to After Russia. After what you did last time, I'm going to Russia, going to Russia on Russia? Sunday. Yeah, oh. I'm going to go and check out some of the other cities that aren't Moscow that we're going to be at during the summer with Talk Sport. And you're going to bring Sam back to the show for this? Maybe. Um, some, I mean, I feel as if you've been Russia. It's your I'll third or fourth you, trip now, isn't it? Yeah. What are you going to bring to us? I'll get you a Russian hat. Okay, that'd be amazing. Your head you. you know, Arsenal yeah. fans are getting free hats at CSK Moscow because they arrive. And I have one of them, a David Sullivan hat. Yeah, that's very exciting. You heard it. It's happening. Don't cut that out. Um, you'll be able to hear me on Saturday night if you're outside the UK and Ireland. I'll be doing with Lee Croft, Tottenham against Man City. Uh, you're also hearing me all week because there's loads of games coming up and I'm contractually obliged. Uh, Brighton against Tottenham is on Tuesday. Special game for you there. Wednesday, uh, I'll be doing Bournemouth against Man United. I'm also back for you on Thursday uh, with Burnley against Chelsea. Uh, all those games live outside the UK. Uh, with our international broadcast arm. Dave, thanks a lot. Enjoy Russia. Hope you survive. And I'll see you all next week when we've got 37 points and we're safe.
The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.